think so. All is well. Welcome to the Vineyard. So glad to have you with us. Welcome those of you joining us online. And uh, we're grateful to have you here. Happy Mother's Day. We celebrate all the ladies on Mother's Day. And on your way out, uh, ladies, there's flowers for you, okay? So on your way out, just grab a flower. They're all sitting there in buckets ready to go. And they really look pretty. So uh, those are for you. We appreciate all of you. All right. We're going to continue on in a series we're doing called Are You Ready? This series is ultimately it's about our hope. And uh, in First Peter, it says we need to be prepared. We need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. And I think this is so significant because we have this amazing hope in everything that God has done and promised to do and is doing in our lives. And we need to be ready to share with that why we have hope. What's our hope all about? And so we're, we're taking time to dig into that once again and, and look at the reasons for our hope and how important it is. And we spent the last, uh, well, we started this series looking at some of the things Paul had to say about how everything ties together and why that's so important. And we're going to go back now and we're going to dig into the Old Testament uh, and see how the story happened. We'll be looking at Tabernacle today. We've been building up to that and, and what that means and what it looks like. And, and, you know, I have, we talk about Tabernacle and Temple and creation and new creation and all those things often here. We talk about the exile and the exodus because you should know what those things are. And those themes run throughout the scripture. And you're going to see them over and over again. And you need to be looking for them on this journey. And so we're looking at how it all ties together. We're going to jump back into the Old Testament today and, and really kind of try and see where Paul was getting, how all this tied together. And, uh, and so I'm excited about that and getting ready to do that. But let's do bad jokes before I get too far in. And then the jokes, they're really bad anyway. Then they don't fit at all. The rotation of the earth really makes my day. If you see a robbery at an Apple store, does that make you an eyewitness? Yeah, and that's the best of the three, I promise you. The people are not getting this one, although I like it a lot. What starts with an O and ends with N-I-O-N-S and sometimes make you cry. Opinions. You were going with onions. Still bad. I I got no rescuing except for you. So come. Happy Mother's Day, my love. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And please uh, pray for us and read the scripture. I sure will. Good morning. Good to see you all. It's a beautiful day. I think Douglas mentioned it in the announcements, but if you all want to take your picture with your moms or your daughters, we set up a place back there for you to do it. So feel free to do that after the service. Not right now. Okay. (laughs) Let's let's press into Papa, shall we, before we read the word? Mm. Daddy, just come and fill the room again. Fill the room with understanding and compassion and mercy and all the wonderful gifts that you have, Father. All those fruits of the Spirit that you want us to display. And then, Lord, make us like conduit so that we can go out into the world and show your love to the people that need it. Help us to be able to show it to the people around us today in our own family. Lord, to have grace and mercy where we need it. Lord, bless this day, bless everybody here, and bless everybody watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? 
This, the text today is out of the book of Exodus, chapter 40, verses 34 through 38. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. Blessed be the word of God. Y'all can be seated. Well, that's your opinion, and it's making me cry. She was commenting on my third joke. So, that passage I just had Alice read, that she read to us, is about when um, the tabernacle is complete and set up, and the presence of God shows back up. And it's, a, it's sort of a... A culmination of everything has happened from back in Genesis 1 to Exodus 40. All right. And the, the story of, of, you know, what's going on that the fall, we talk about this, have separated us, right? We were, we were, it was the cosmic temple, Eden, heaven and earth met. God was there and he dwelt with us and we were there. And then we chose to go our own way and we basically went into exile. You're going to see that theme a lot. And then God makes a way in the Exodus, you know, he miraculously changes things for us and, and he rescues us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. He just came along because he's God and he makes a way for us to be restored, reconciled back into relationship. And he wants her to be a place where heaven and earth meet because that's the heart of God. And so tabernacle is that place. It's that picture. And, and so we... Again, we talk about these themes and stories often in the Bible. And and so now we have the the place for the first time where... Heaven and earth has come back together since the fall, and it's it's amazing. And it the the glory of God fills the tabernacle. It's a picture of what's going to happen. And what we know, our hope is the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. And we've been talking about that, but you see these things going on. And as I said, you know, in the first chunk there, we were looking at some things that are very important. First is motivation, and I want to bring it back up. I haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks. And I said in in very first. A part of this series, the very first meeting. I said, look, here's the deal. Here's what you need to be looking for throughout this series is your motivation. And the enemy uh, is behind everything in culture. And there are two significant motivations in our culture. They're greed and fear. And they're everywhere. And if you really start looking and ask God to help you see, you'll see how much that's happening and how often it impacts us. We are definitely impacted by our culture. Don't think that we're not. We are. And greed and fear is everywhere. And, and I said, you know, that represented by the enemy, it's a, that's the power of sin and the power of death. And Jesus has defeated those things at the cross. But the enemy is, you know, defeated but not departed. And he's still behind things culturally. And so we have those happening and we need to be looking for them. And I've been giving you examples. So those are the wrong motivations. What's the right motivation? As small working models of new creation, our motivation needs to be love. And love looks completely different. And, and actually, it's a, it's a whole different way of living that God wants us to live. And so we need to be checking on our motivation so we can see if we're really motivated by love. Because it's much easier to be motivated, motivated by greed and fear. And greed is, is more than just material. Greed is, you know, I want what I want, and other people, if they're in my way, I can't have that. And, and you know, greed, uh, 
Do you ever find other people annoying? That's the type of greed. You go, why? Because the... And, and so what does it look like if we begin to change that motivationally? If, if when people annoy us, instead of giving in to it and, and giving them whatever it is you do, sarcasm, eye rolls, I don't know what you do, hand gestures. That was very subtle. Um, I've been working on this myself. I've been thinking about these things. I think, you know, um, I tell you all, I talk about driving all the time and how frustrated I get with other people's driving. But, but I've, I've worked on that now for years outwardly, trying not to do stupid things. Like when someone's trying to get in when they shouldn't, not allowing them to, teaching them a lesson. None of you have ever done that either. But how about if instead of annoying me, I think, wow. How can I love that person right now? How about if I just pray for that person? Maybe they're just really busy, or maybe they've had a hard day, or maybe they're not really thinking about what's going on. Or maybe, and maybe I could just pray that God could use this moment, and that, that somehow God would just bless this prayer when I, I just ask for his mercy and grace to fall on that person in incredible and mighty ways. Don't you think, what a difference that would make in the world. Do you get it? Do you get how the enemy loves for you to be stirred up and annoyed and all those things? Oh, I got him. And, and how frustrated he must get, which I really like to think about, when it uh, turns the other direction completely. Oh, hmm, I'm just going to love on that person somehow. I'm going to pray. God, just bless that person right now. And, and, and in mighty ways. I pray, God, that, that not only do you help them to merge into every situation they come to in life, that they find the very best parking plots from now on when they go. To, I, I don't know, something, right? Make a difference. So... We have to come to these things and we have to remember our motivations. And then we're looking at the scripture and the story and we're talking about these themes, you know, and tabernacle and exodus and exile and why I want you to know it. And Paul said in Ephesians 1, 9, because we've been reading a lot of Paul in the last few weeks. He said, look, the mystery of the will of God has been made known to us. And what he's saying is because of the cross, because of uh, what Jesus did at the cross, how he defeated death and rose again. Now he said the Old Testament is open up to us and we can see that God had this plan in place way back from the time of the fall. Genesis 3.15. We can begin to see that God has been moving through us. And every time that we look at exile and exodus and tabernacle uh, and all these things, we begin to see how God is pursuing us over and over and over and over again because it's his heart to do just that. Why do we have to keep talking about it? Listen, this needs to become such a part of you that this whole story excites you. Like, you know, we've been encouraging you a lot. Read your Bibles, read your Bibles, read your Bibles. Say it all the time. When you read your Bible, it shouldn't be all, this is, it should catch you. It should pop open to you. You should see new things when you read it. I was just looking at Luke this week, Luke chapter 15. I've read that hundreds times, hundreds of times. I'm not, not exaggerating. I've taught on it many, many times. Uh, Luke 15, in case you're not immediately um, ringing bells with you, it's stories, it's parables. Jesus is teaching about things that are lost that are found. All right? Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Particle son, everybody, most of you know the stories now, right? And I was just kind of thinking about those things. What I saw as I was reading this time, with holding on to hope and all this, all this going on, is really it's describing the attitude of heaven. And in the attitude of heaven right now, it's a party. There's a celebration happening. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were like the killjoys of relationship with God. That's really, you could tag that on them. They weren't terrible people, but they had just 
just sucked the life out of a relationship with God. I don't know how else to put it. It was all these rules. It was, and, and nobody was coming to God because of that whole thing. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he's undoing it all. And everybody loves Jesus. Jesus is like a walking party. You look at it. You, you, uh, he's, people are coming and whoo, it's Jesus. And he's, he's handing out free food all the time, you know, and he's got miracles and stuff going on and people's lives are being changed and, and people, he's just loving on folks. It's changing everything. And see, there's this story he's telling. He's telling these stories to the Pharisees, and he's saying, you got it wrong. This, this idea of a relationship with God is like a party. It's like a celebration. Because in each one of those stories, guess what's happened? The angels are celebrating. Whoo! It's, it's because, why? Because God has made a way for people to be restored into relationship. It's a way for lost things to be found. And he gets into the story of the lost son, and I'm reading it, and all of a sudden, all these Old Testament stories kick in there, like the, the younger brother and the older brother. You can, read, and you can look, and you can see Jacob and Esau in there. You can see, as you read the story about exile, about how God's people, you know, they, they did what they weren't supposed to do, and they ended up somewhere else, under somebody else's authority, and that's the younger son. But when they come to their senses, when they turn and walk back to God, then you get to see the heart of God, this motivation of love. Because God isn't going, I told you so. God's not picking on them. God's not enforcing rules. What does he do? He, and this is like so countered culture to everything that's going on. An, an elder member of the family would never do what God does, which is he stands up and he goes running to his lost son and he grabs him up and loves on him. And the son's trying to make excuses. He said, you're back. You got it. You turned. You figured it out. Welcome back. See, that's the heart of God. That's our hope. That's how God treats us. This whole big story, the reason we have hope is God has constantly pursued us, even though over and over and over again we've gone our own way. We come to our senses and he's right there. Yes! And that's forever with us. And it's really cool. So, we, we know the story. And then, wow, I just looked at the time, sorry. I haven't even got to point one. It's okay. I want to say this too, because I realize I've been talking about these things a lot, right? Why? I've been thinking about the parable of the sower a lot lately. Parable of the sower, you can read it for yourself. Matthew, Matthew 13, Luke chapter 8, it's in both. And it's about a sower, sower's seed, right? And the seed, you, you guys are going to know this, it's, some of it just doesn't hit good spots and it just goes away right away and some kind of makes a little dent but doesn't last and some some kind of takes hold but then the, the worries of the world choke it out but some seed hits ground and produces a hundredfold return do you know the seed is the word it says it not just the gospel although it's part of it and i've often looked at that story that way as to what happens when people hear about the gospel it's about the whole word it's about all of this it's about this story and how it ties together it's about our hope everything and do you know that every time we share this when you come here the enemy what he tries to do immediately is snatch it right away and make it not take any root at all and so I realize that I'm sharing these things, and I have a very real enemy, and he's immediately trying to just rip it right out of you. Sometimes before you even leave the doors. Because if I were to ask, this is not a pick. I'm just telling you, you need to be very much aware of the battle we're in. If I were to ask you two or three hours from now what I talked about today, most of you would go, hmm. And you might say something kind like, well, it was pretty good. Pick any verse. Any, nah, I got nothing. Why? It's a spiritual battle. The enemy snatched it. 
Because this changes your... This, when you get a hold of this whole thing, when you get a hold of the hope that we have, when you get a hold of the life we have in Jesus, this isn't just some sort of humdrum, just trying to make it until... He, it's like, what an adventure we have. What a life we have. We have a God who loves us so passionately, and He wants us to go out there and partner with Him and change the world. And the enemy's trying to rip it away, so we got to keep looking at it and let it get in there. And I want it down in you so that it produces a crop that's a hundredfold, that's full and abundant life. I want you to experience life where you... You're like, when you wake up in the day, and I don't care how hard that day might be, you think, God, what's going to happen today? What are you going to do today with me? What does this look like today? How can I make a difference today? Point number one. (laughs) Give me a chair. No, I'm so here's the deal about tabernacle. That's because that's what happened in Exodus 40. Tabernacle. The idea is God wants to dwell with us. That's the heart of God. It has been all along. We're the ones that keep going in the wrong direction. And so think about how amazing this is now. That, that now we know the story. Oh, and I think about Paul. Just when when all this stuff started popping up in the old, he knew the Old Testament when he was looking at it through the cross. <gasps> all these things are happening, and so that's what we've been talking about. Well, now we see the story, and so God wants to make a place. He's got His people. He's rescued them. The Exodus has happened. He's spoken to them, and now He just wants to be their God. He wants to hang out with them, and He wants to make a place again where heaven and earth meet. That's the heart of God. He wants to dwell with us. So He's going to make a tabernacle. Because he can do it there. Because things have changed because of the fall, but there'll be a place. Up until that point, no more place where heaven and earth meet. He's going to make a place. Really important. So, he brings Moses up on the mountain, talks to him. Moses is gone for 40 days. What's God telling him about at this point in time? He's teaching him. He's telling him, this is how you're going to make this big tabernacle. It needs to be made pretty well because it represents a lot. So here's all the details. And he's very, very, go read it. It's really intense details how it's going to be made. So Moses has gone 40 days. What happens with the people? They get tired of waiting. Anybody here ever get... Yeah, okay. So, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Hey, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, yeah, big deal. We don't know what's happened to him. We, they're saying we can't control Moses and he's, he's making us a little crazy. Make us some, make us some gods that we can control for ourselves. So Aaron uh, says, okay, well take off the gold earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing. Bring them to me. So all the people took their earrings and brought them to Aaron and he took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, calf, fashioning it with a tool. And, and then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So Aaron, get, give me your, I'm going to make you something, and, and we'll have a little god that we can control. And, and see, you know, this is a problem. We often want to make a god that we can control. Right? And I promise you, you, you put God in a box. If you think you've got God in a, your box, won't hold God A and B. There's is a little G fake God that will slither right into that box. And just ruin your world. So you can't do it, alright? And so God sees this happening while he's up there with Moses and he says, Moses, you've got a problem. And uh, so Moses goes down and begins to get more into the problem. But I love how Moses confronts Aaron because it's a picture then of the, it's like right after the fall. Have you, do you know how, do you ever try and justify your sin? Hello. <laughs> you know you do. What you should do is come to your senses and repent. That's the, that's the best answer. That's like, woo, thank you, Jesus, boom. What we do is, oh, here's all the reasons why. 
And Aaron has sinned. But I love this. It's just like what, when God says to Adam and Eve in the fall, why'd you do that? Well, it was her fault. Well, it was the enemy's fault. Okay, nobody, it's none of, not my fault. He says to Aaron, what do these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? And he says, oh, don't be angry, my Lord. Uh, you know how prone these people are to evil. So it's not my fault. It's these people. You know these people, Moses. And, you know, they said, make us gods who go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us about Egypt, we don't know. It's kind of Moses. It's kind of your fault, too, for disappearing for 40 days like this. Certainly not my fault. And so, so listen, here's what I did. I said, look, uh, give, me some, give me your jewelry. And then I took that gold, and I just threw it into the fire, and poof, out came this calf. <laughs> you get the picture. We do that, all right? What does Moses do? See, here's the big thing, and you need to catch this, because I want to talk about the power of prayer. Because the power of prayer is what we need to understand. I said last week, that's the language of the overlap, where heaven and earth meet. That's where we are now. We're in a place. There's already an overlap. Heaven is not a million miles away. Heaven and earth overlap already. How do we know? Holy Spirit dwells in us. It's a picture of temple right here in us right now. Heaven and earth overlap. Jesus modeled it for us. He comes fully God, fully man. He's living in the overlap. What does he do? He's praying all the time. Because prayer is really, really powerful. And so the story sort of goes back. If you read the whole Exodus 32, the Lord says to Moses, he's telling him how to build a tabernacle. The people have done this thing. So he says, he says to Moses, look, go down. I love this. Because your people, Moses, whom you brought up out of Egypt, Moses, have become corrupt. And, and here's, here's the thing. Look at this. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord as God. Lord, he said, it does turn it around a little bit. Why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought up out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? He's trying to get the story right. Because Moses was kind of like, really, God, you're blaming this, these people on me? I was just hanging out in the desert, minding my own business when you caught a bush on fire and started this whole journey. <laughs> these are your people. And I want you to see right off the bat that you can. God wants you to have conversation with him. It's amazing. He wants us to engage with him and to see the heart of Moses. And uh, go and read all of that, because what you're going to see when you read it is what God says to Moses is, listen, I'm going to deal with these people. I'm done with them. But you and I are good, Moses. I'm going to start over with you. Moses could have easily gone, God and I are okay, and these people are really annoying. <laughs> I'm good with that. But it's not Moses' heart. Why? He's like Jesus, and it's a picture of what we're supposed to be, our vocation. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're good. Your, your, your hope is you have life. You, you are uh, working models of new creation. Everything is changed for you. You're good. But what he wants us to do now is image bearers. Remember, I said we're restored to our vocation. We're to partner with him to change the planet. What do we do? We don't give up on the lost. We pray for the lost. We don't give up on annoying people. We pray for them. We don't let them become the enemy because they're not. We have an enemy. And what our enemy has done is deceive the people around us, and they're blinded to the truth. And our calling is, our vocation is, to live this life in such a way that we have opportunities to share with them about who God is, how much he loves them, that he's always pursuing them, that the the, the attitude of heaven is is celebration it's a joyous life it's an adventurous life and we're to live it that way and it begins to change us and so moses changed everything by not saying yeah done with them we can't ever get to that point well they're annoying god these people they're just messing the whole deal up for us and we could be good so go ahead take them out god 
they're blinded. They're deceived. They just need to be loved. And so we begin to pray. And we need to press into God. And we need to ask, like Moses did, for these people. We need to pray for the mercy and the favor of God to fall on these people. We need to pray for the grace of God to come. We need to pray for the, for the gracelets, God calls them. That's the, that's the charismata of the word. It's, it, it, you, you translate it spiritual gifts. We need to pray that they would come and touch people. Not so that we could have them to have some. They would flow through us. So that people who are lost and deceived could hear the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God and see the miracles of God and be healed by God and be changed by God and have Him move into their lives so that they can be reconciled and restored and come back into relationship with Him because that's the heart of God. Those need to be our prayers. They need to change us and we do that because we know that God keeps His promises. God is faithful even when we're not. He's always faithful. He keeps His promises. And so... Moses goes to God and he says, look, remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I'll give your descendants all this land I promised. And then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he threatened. It'll be their inheritance forever. God relented. What does it mean? It means that God never changed his mind about these things. It's always been the mind of God, the heart of God, to restore his people, to bring back this place, to refill the creational promise that there would be a place and a time when the whole earth was filled with His glory. And that's what we're looking for. We looked at that in Isaiah and Habakkuk. That's the heart of God. He says, listen, I remember that, and I'm always going to make that happen. I'm always going to pursue that. But in the meantime, we need to, as His people, live in that overlap between heaven and earth, and we need to be praying. We need to know the hope that we have. We need to see the story and how it ties together. So that when life happens, we don't get quickly discouraged. We don't, we don't quickly lose, you know, everything, but we realize we're in a bigger story, a better story, and we have hope. See, that's our heart, and that's where we're headed, and, uh, I'll shut it down there, because I got more, but I get just as excited about next week. We're going to look at Second Samuel next week. There's so many cool things. The Old Testament just opens up because of what Jesus has done. But let's leave it there, and we'll get into it next week. Alice, why don't you come up, and we'll, uh, we'll pray. Papa, you're amazing, and your love for us is amazing, and your pursuit of us is amazing, and the life that you have for us is amazing. And I would pray right now that, that you would stir our hearts for more of you. That we wouldn't be sort of lulled into this place of, oh well. But God, we would get that it's an adventure. That it's a journey. That you love us all in. That you're, 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 <laughs> you're not there picking on all our messes and, and just looking for faults and performance. God, you just love us. And you just wrapped your arms around us. So I love you. Now, let's love the world together. Let's, let's love people into relationship. Let's love them in. And I just pray that, that God would settle on our hearts and, and He'd give us that motivation of love right now. That we would see the difference between greed and fear and love and we would operate in love. That we would understand what it means to be models of new creation. And that we would be changed so that we can impact the world for Him. And I just pray that that for many of you, there's, there's an unsettledness that God would bring peace to that right now. That for many of you, there's been anxiety that God would bring just a, a peace and a joy into your life. That, that many of you have felt helpless and stuck. That, that you would see once again that you're part of the most amazing story that there is. And that it's life full and abundant. And that it would change us forever. 
Alice. Amen. I'm just going to quickly share this because the Lord's had it on my heart all week, uh, Mother's Day. So it sparks a lot of emotions, different emotions, all kinds of them. All the different emotions there are can be sparked in each different person in this room. But I think what the Lord really wants to say is that as women, we want a sense of belonging. We want, our, we want a place to belong, our family. You belong here at church. You belong in the family of God. So whatever is sparked among you, in your heart today, whether you're missing your mom or whatever, I mean, we could go on and on. The Lord just wants you to know that, that he loves you just the way you are and that he sees every kindness you've done in secret. And he sees your heart and he loves you. And, you know, some of the best mothers I have ever met have helped raise other people's children. So just be blessed today. And God has a a scripture for you today. It's Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord is your God. He is mighty to save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Zephaniah 3.17. Look it up when you get home. God bless. Amen. Thank you. All this journey starts by knowing Jesus is Lord and Savior. Look, he did everything for us at the cross. Our part is to believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you've never done it, just do it now. I promise you, it's the best decision you'll ever make. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Things start to change. If you do that, let me know. Text the word heart to that number, 305-745-7513, so I can rejoice with you. Or go online to anewbeliever.com. There's a little form there. Just let me know. I want to celebrate with you. Thank you again, church, for your generosity. Uh, you're, you're just an amazing group. Your faithfulness to your giving, your tithe, your offering. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's ways to do it digitally or mail in if you would like. Or if you would also like, there's an offering box over there on that end. And there's two by that door and one by that door. Out there, that would be cool. Let's sing doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Often when you sing doxology, it rains children. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Please go out these doors. They'll be open for you. Ladies, get your flower on the way out. We love you. Have a great, great day. I think so. Thanks for watching online. We love you guys. Have a great Mother's Day. And uh, we're so glad you were with us. Hope. It's all about hope. Read your Bibles. Yeah, happy Mother's Day, everybody. Bye-bye.